0: So, welcome to General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you, studying the words of our living prophets, apostles, and chosen leaders. I've loved listening to podcasts about Come Follow Me, and I saw a need for a podcast centered around the General Conference talks. Um, I'm not a scholar, I'm not an expert, I'm a 20-something who just simply adores the gospel. The things I discuss are my opinions, Um, as one of my favorite podcasts, At Last She Said It, often says, your mileage may vary. In addition to my connections and thoughts, I will include a list of questions at the end of every episode as a place to start with your own deeper study of each talk, and I hope this podcast will be a jumping off point as you apply. In that spirit, I invite you to read and say today's talk before listening to this episode. Listen for what the Lord is saying to you personally. Then come join me for a beautiful discussion together. Hello, hello, I'm back. Um a daylight, but that's okay. <laughs> um I hope you guys enjoyed my last episode. It was a little all over the place, but it was a really good conversation, and, um, I love Morgan, she's my best friend, and we, as we talked about in that episode, we have had many, a like, gospel conversation together, so it was fun to sit down and, like, record that gospel conversation, which we've done before a couple of times, um, in, like, lives on Instagram and, and things like that, but, um there's always something new that we talk about, and there's always, you know, obviously we're always having new experiences, and we don't live near each other anymore. Um, I'm in Canada, and she's in Arizona, so, like, we're far apart, and so it's fun to, like, now that we don't live together and are far apart, it's fun to, like, continue to hear her experiences and how they're, shaping her faith, and all that jazz, so I hope you guys enjoyed it, we enjoyed recording it, even though um, it cut us off in the middle, which was really awkward, I don't know why it did that, but we figured it out, so, but so this one, I'm very, it's very crazy that next week is September, like, we're only, like, what, five weeks from um general conference in October so that'll be really exciting um and yeah so we have this one and there's two more in the Sunday morning session that'll be next week's and then after that it's Sunday afternoon um so we're getting very very close to the end of it which is crazy but um but I'm excited. I'm excited to, to you know hear what we get to hear this this time around. But today's um talk is by Other Raz Band. It's called To Heal the World. And of course, as always, I encourage you to listen to or um or read the talk before you listen to this episode, as you know. I want you to get the full experience on your own with your own personal revelation before you hear my voice rambling at you for 40 minutes. <laughs> but, and of course, bring your own questions and your own, and you know, maybe I can answer them, maybe I can and make more questions for you to think about. So, um, so Elder Riz Ben's talk to heal the world is all about religious freedom. And I have many opinions on this and I'm going to try and keep them as, like, I mean, that is kind of this, this format is my opinion on these and, like, my thoughts and my whatever. Your mileage may vary (laughs) and your opinions may vary and, you know, that's totally fair, totally get that. Uh, Personally, I got a little bit worked up over this talk. Um which I'll, I'll get into a little bit, but I'll try not to be, like, crazy about it. But I did want to say my questions this time came out a little bit different formatted because because he's talking kind of the whole church. Like, I mean, obviously they're all talking about the whole church, but, like, he uses, you know, the royal we, you know, the we as the church or we as society or we whatever. And so a lot of my, most of my questions actually came out that way as well as, you know, like, how are we doing this better as a church? And so, of course, that is kind of how it was intended because that's kind of the format of his talk anyway. Um, but I do want you to take those personally, those, those you know, questions personally, um, as well as, like, how can I apply this to, you know, how can my ward be better at this? How can my stake be better at this? How can my, I don't know, young women's, presidency be better at this, right? And so, um, anyway, I just want to give you a heads up because they did end up being a little bit, um, different. So he starts out by talking about, um, a lot of the craziness that's going on in the world, which a lot of them do, a lot of them do, which obviously makes sense because at the time it was still kind of, it's only been five months, but, um, thinking back, like, at the time, COVID was still pretty big. I mean, it's still pretty big, but I feel like it's calmed down and kind of evened out a little bit since then. It's not kind of the top thing on people's mind as it has been as um, as much as it has been the last few years. Um, The war in Ukraine was happening. It was just starting to happen. I know it's still happening, but it was, you know, the very beginning. And, you know, gas prices were crazy and political stuff was crazy and It all still is crazy, but I'm, like, trying to, like, put you into the the moment of what he is talking about and also think about the things that are still happening now. Like I said, the war in Ukraine is still going on. Gas prices are still crazy. And, you know, COVID still is affecting a lot of people. um, Myself included. Um, Then he, I really love this line. He says, sacred guidance and teachings from our Heavenly Father help us navigate life in these perilous times. And I just thought it was interesting the way he phrased that. He didn't say say that in the teachings from prophets or from the scriptures or from priesthood leaders or anything like that. He specifically said Heavenly Father. And I often think that like the apostles are often pointing to the prophet who then points to, you know, the Savior who then points to heavenly father right um because you know they are obviously and of course they do testify of christ that is their calling as apostles the seers and revelators like that is their um that is their calling is to be special witnesses of christ but i just feel like and i'm probably just because i haven't noticed it before but i specifically noticed it here was that he said sacred guidance and teachings from our heavenly father which I feel like opens up a lot more, you know, obviously he is talking about guidance from prophets because they speak with God um, and scriptures because those were people communicating with God and our patriarchal blessings and our, you know, ward leaders and everything, but also like our own, guidance and teachings from Heavenly Father that we get in our own personal prayers in our own personal study in our own personal lives like the guidance that we get for our families the guidance that we get for the way that we uh, worship and the way that we engage in anything right? Um, which I think kind of goes into what I want to talk about about this, this talk specifically but also what he talks about Uh, about religious freedom and, like, um, what religious freedom does for people, like, the benefits of it, and, um, our beliefs, our own, like, church-supported policy beliefs about, like, freedom of religion, right? So, um... So yeah, so he goes on to talk about he brings up that and he's like there is another scourge in the globe, attacks on our on your and my religious freedom. This growing sentiment seeks to remove religion and faith in God from the public square, schools, community standards, and civic discourse. Opponents of religious freedom seek to impose restrictions on expressions of heartfelt con- convictions. They even criticize and ridicule faith traditions. And to a point I can see this, right? Um there are definitely people who oppose organized religion, who oppose our religion specifically uh, whether they were at one point a member or um or haven't been a member you know, and that's, that's their right like they can believe whatever they want to believe about us and um and of course and Personally, I, I don't want to bring politics into this, although I thought about politics this whole time. I personally believe in the separation of church and state, right? Um, that's what the country of the United States was founded on, was separation of church and state. Um, because there are issues that come in when, when, when religion is too far entrenched into politics. Um, but I also completely believe that you know, a member of any religious denomination should be able to be elected as president or, you know, be in Congress, be in any elected office. I remember learning about, like, it was Ronald Reagan was very Catholic and people were worried that his Catholicism was going to, um, like, impede his ability to be president. And I think of, like, all of the Catholic presidents we've had since then. I mean, President Biden is Catholic, is an active Catholic. And just, like, I feel like we have come a bit farther in that regard. Um, I know that that's not, like, that feels like a big deal to me, I guess. Um, Of course, there are denominations that have never been president you know i've never had a fill in the blank president right but um but i do see where he's coming from right like that religion organized religion specifically seems to be kind of a dying art um that fewer and fewer people cling to um I feel like sometimes we talk about religious freedom, like the attack on religious freedom, as this, like, insidious, they don't even want you to believe in God kind of a thing, and I really don't think that's where people are coming from. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people who don't want you to believe in God, obviously, but I feel like the vast majority of people who are saying you know religion doesn't really belong here are saying that so that it's a more inclusive space for all people who you know are all religions or who don't practice any religion specifically um but on the topic of religious freedom um he defines it he says it is freedom of worship in all its configurations freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom to act on personal beliefs, and freedom for others to do the same. Religious freedom allows each of us to decide for ourselves what we believe, how we live, and act according to our faith and what God expects of us. And I also think sometimes that we have a very narrow view as members of the church who live in the United States um, or even just like North America in general and in like first world countries, that... Like, we look at religious freedom in a very different way than somebody who is living in a country that literally has no religious freedom. That can't practice religion without a lot of restrictions and a lot of side-eyes and a lot of danger of, you know, being caught and, like, punished because they believe something different than their government wants them to believe, right? And so... I would keep that in mind also of, like, there are actually like places in the world who, you know, we don't send missionaries, we can't send missionaries, or if we do, we send them as, like, service people, right? Like, they're not actually missionaries, they can't actually proselyte, um, they can't actually teach, I don't know, except under very specific circumstances or whatever, right? And so I think that's that's also important to remember is, like, we talk about attacks on our religious freedom, but, like, we are still more than free to go to our church on Sunday. We're more than free to go to the temple. We're more than free to build temples and church buildings. We're more than free to proselytize with our missionaries and share our religion with our friends and post about our religion on social media and, you know, tell people where our church is on Sunday. And so I feel like we have a lot of, we have a lot of privilege with our, our personal religious freedom in our, you know, I say our, but my, like my parts of the world, um, and, and so, you know, there are countries that don't have a freedom of assembly, or freedom of speech, or freedom to act on personal beliefs, right, um, And so I like, think that's interesting and important to keep in mind as we talk about, like, religious freedom and what that looks like going forward. Um, he also quotes, um, of course, the 13th article of faith. Um, we claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, or what they may. And I think this is an interesting... It's one of my favorite, actually, part. One of my favorite articles of faith. Because it's so... I don't know. It's just such a convicting thing of like, yeah, we're going to worship God however we want, and you can worship God however you want. And I think... Two questions. <laughs> are we allowing other religions to actually do that? Um, I'm not saying, like, the church as in, like, the brethren, because I know that the brethren, they talk about it, he talks about it in this talk, like, partnering with other denominations and other faiths for projects and a whole bunch of stuff, right? Um, but I think of, like, us as a church, us, as members of the church, you know, are we... Merciful and kind in allowing others to live life in the way that they want to live. In the way that they're, you know, the dictates of their own conscience. Um, and are the people around us allowing us to live in the way that, you know, what dictates our own conscience? That's outside the church, but also inside the church. Are we allowing ourselves and members of our own family and congregations to live by the dictates of their own conscience as well. Um, You know, the gospel is the same everywhere, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, faith and repentance and, you know, all of that jazz, the atonement, that's the same everywhere, same for everybody. But, the way that affects everybody's lives, the way that people choose to live, the way that people choose to um. live the commandments and what that looks like in everybody's lives is going to look different for everybody. And that's okay. <laughs> like, you know, for me, this is a random quote, this is a random one, and like, random, but, like, for me, I wear my garments all the time. I wear my garments when I'm working out. I don't work out very often, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I don't, um, I only really take my garments off to like shower and swim. Right? Like there are very few times that I take my garments off because that's just my personal choice. Um in the past, I have taken my garments off to work out because I was at one point working out a lot more and I was getting very sweaty and gross and it was uncomfortable for me and I felt like it was disrespectful for my garments. And so there are people who, you know, they dictates of their own conscience and like their own relationship with garments and with their covenants, they wear them more or less than me. And that's totally fair. (laughs) Like that's, that's their choice. That's the, you know, the decision that they've come to between them and God. And that is how it should stay. Um, and so I want you to think about that question is, are we, are you allowing yourself and like members of your family and members of our congregations to live um, by the dictates of their own conscience, whether that means within the church, or leaving the church, or they're not even a part of the church, whatever that may be. Um, it's important. It's important because that—that is a, a very core belief of ours. Is that like we want to like, treat others how you want to be treated, right, the golden rule, it's like, oh, well, if I want, like, I would prefer, like, I want, wow, well, words, I want to live and worship my God the way I want to worship my God, and, um, I want to allow others to do the same, he quotes President Nelson as well, um, or no, sorry, 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 Joseph Smith. He says, I am bold to declare before heaven that I am just as ready to die in defending the rights of a Presbyterian, a Baptist, or a good man of any other denomination for the same principle which would trample upon the rights of the saints who trample upon the rights of Roman Catholics or of any other denomination who may be unpopular and too weak to defend themselves. It is a love of liberty that inspires my soul, civil and religious liberty to the whole of the human race. I just love that, like, the love of liberty that inspires my soul. So he's like, I want everyone to be free to, to choose the way that they want to choose. And that is the core of religious liberty and religious freedom as well. Is that everybody gets to choose how they want to live. Whether that's being part of an organized religion, being an atheist, being a Wiccan, being not caring whatsoever about religious freedom. Like, that is their choice. That is their agency. And I, I want to throw in here, like, this is to say... This isn't to say that we shouldn't stand up for the way that we live. But we don't need to bring others down to stand up for the way that we live. And... Like like I was just talking about... You know, are we allowing others to... And are the people in your lives allowing you to live in a way that, like... That you want to live? Um and if not, maybe you should talk to them about it, <laughs> and be like, um, so, like, these are, this is the way that I'm choosing to live, please respect that, and it's hard, it's hard to, like, set boundaries like that, it's hard to have those conversations, um, but I also think it's important to been like, um, there is religious freedom, and, like, we believe in religious freedom, and, you know, I want you to live in the way that best supports you, and your life, and your family, and I would appreciate it if you, you know, didn't look down on the way I live. Because this is what we've chosen to, and what I've chosen is best for me and my life and my family and whoever, right? Um, because it goes both ways, of course. And I think that's the important thing is like, I'm going to live the way I live. Please respect the way that I live. I will respect it the way that you live and it's also not to say that we can't talk about our religion obviously like we've been we've been tasked with how many how many talks have we talked about this in this conference of spreading the gospel and sharing with others and love share invite and serving missions like we are also a missionary church we want to like to to tell people the good things that we love and the things that make us happy and um And so, like, absolutely do that. But also, like, if they say, no, that's not for me, then you don't break up with them or, you know, leave them in the dust or ridicule them for the way that they live, the way that they choose to live. It's a two-way street. Anyway, so, he also talks about the Restoration Proclamation from a couple of years ago, Um. And it's kind of another question I have for you is because he he quotes the very beginning of the Restoration Proclamation. We solemnly proclaim that God loves His children in every nation of the world. And I want to ask as well as like, are we acting this way? Are we treating others as if God loves them just as so much as He loves us? Um, because like, it's one thing to know that to believe that it's another way to act like that. Um, to act like the person standing in front of us is a child of God. And that he loves them. No matter what choices they're making, no matter what religion they're part of, whatever, he still loves them. And he still wants them to return to him. And so we should be treating them in the, way, in the same way. Um... That God loves them. So are we acting like that? Are we treating others as if God loves them just as much as He loves us? So then he goes through four things, um, four ways that society and individuals benefit from religious freedom. The first is religious freedom honors the first and second great commandments, placing God at the center of our lives. Um So, yeah, so he talks about the first and second commandment, obviously love God and love thy neighbor. And that, of course, religious freedom supports that, right? Being able to worship God in the way that you see fit and also worship or not worship, <laughs> love your neighbor by serving and ministering and, you know, all that stuff. And I also love this this line of, like, he says, the scriptures describe that Jesus went about doing good, so must we. And that was just, I don't know, I just love that a lot. He says, second, religious freedom fosters expressions of belief, hope, and peace. Um, And there's this part, he says, as a church we join with other religions, protecting people of all faiths and persuasions, and their right to speak their convictions this is not we mean we accept their beliefs nor are they ours but we have more in common than we have with those who desire to silence us this sentence bugged me just a little bit because it has a lot of us-them mentality subtext, right? this like, for, in a couple of different instances, right? of like, oh, we're pairing with all these people not that we like, accept their beliefs or anything but we have more in common with them than we have with the people who want to silence us and it's just kind of like can't we all be be friends? <laughs> like, we're not teaming up with people to defeat other people. Like, we're teaming up with other people to defeat hatred and, like, bigotry and Satan. And, like, those things that fuel Satan and allow darkness to win. And so I feel like sometimes we think about the church and everyone else. Or like religious people and everyone else. And it's hard for me sometimes because I'm like, we're all people though. And while those people might try to silence us, you know, we can have conversations instead of a battle line. (laughs) We can have conversations about, you know why certain things bother us and why it's important for us to have religion in our lives like we can have this and I know we're having those conversations I know that but sometimes it comes across like yeah we're fighting this battle against evil and I'm like we're not fighting this battle against people though like it might feel like that but they are God's children and God loves them like we are trying to explain and be good Christ-like people and like, be kind in being like, we respect your way to live, please respect our way to live. Like, that's not a battle, that's not a war. <laughs> um. So anyway, that just like, I just, I personally hate the us versus them mentality, and I notice it a lot. So I wanted to point out. Anyway, so, third is... Oh, I lost my spot. Religion inspires people to help others. Um, I really love this part because I feel like this is kind of the thing that... (laughs) I always throw back... I want to throw back in people's faces. That sounds mean. I'm sorry. No, but, like, when people criticize the church, um, which, like, I have my own problems with the church and with policies and whatever... But people criticize me. As, like, for like first staying in the church. And how can you stay in a church like that? Or how can you possibly believe that? A lot of people I taught on my mission were like, "Well, if you're wrong, then I'm right, and you're going to hell, and like all this stuff, right?" And for a lot of things, I'm just like, "But you know, how is it hurting people? How is it hurting me that I'm part of this religion? Like, it's making me a better person." I'm trying my best to be like Christ and to reach out to those who are hurting and um, be kind to people and grow as an individual, right? And I love that, like, religion inspires people to help others. Um, I'm sure that's not always true, right? Obviously, it's not always black and white. It's not 100% of people who are religious are inspired to help other people. But, you know, a group coming together and doing yard work, or a group coming together and putting together a community garden, or whatever it may be, right? Like, there's strength in numbers, and there's a push towards, you know, being like Christ, and religion is supposed to help you to be a better person and have a better outlook on life and right? Like, that's the draw. Um, and in this he says, no question, people of faith working together can make significant interventions. At the same time, one-on-one service is often unheralded, unheralded, but quietly changes lives. I love both of those sentences a lot. Um, the first one, qu- people of faith working together can make significant interventions. I thought about um, my homeward That was my homework for not very long, but, like, I guess my home stake, yeah, my home stake, I guess I should say, in Illinois that I was in for years and years, um, we pair with every Christmas, we pair with a couple of other churches in the city that the stake center is in, and I can't remember what churches they are, like, what denominations they are specifically of Christianity, but we put together a big nativity display, like, 800 nativities big nativities and we put them all up in the um cultural hall at the stake center and you know the big setup for like a week before and they're up for a whole weekend like thursday friday saturday sunday um and there's volunteers from our church from the other churches to come set up people you know loan the their nativities we've loaned some of our nativities before And then they help, you know, usher and whatever, and they help tear down. And, um, I can't remember if it's all weekend or if it's a couple of days, we get a bunch of, like, local music groups who come and sing Christmas songs in the chapel and do performances like that. And it's really cool, and it wouldn't happen without all of that collaboration, Um, and it's, like, a big deal. A lot of people come, a lot of people loan their nativities. Like I said, like, 800, I think, was our record one year, and it just fills, fills the entire cultural hall, and it's amazing, and, you know, it's kind of a small one, like, we're not converting thousands of people, but, like, how cool is that, that we, like, that we pair with other churches and put together a big like celebration of Christ um. and then that second line at the same time one on one service is often unheralded but quietly changes lives and I've thought about this a lot I've been writing I have a a blog that I keep blog essay SI blog thing that I keep <laughs> on um, Instagram and I've been working on this for a couple of weeks now and I haven't finished it yet it's frustrating me but like the whole thing is about individual advocacy because I feel like being an advocate for whatever, right? Like, an advocate of homelessness, an advocate of poverty an advocate of starving children in Africa like all of these people that like all of these groups of people that need help or animals, even animal advocacy right? Like the causes that we are passionate about Um, advocacy on that large scale can seem really daunting Um, like I'm super passionate about the LGBTQ community my best friends is part of that a couple of my best friends are part of that community and um, like I'm super passionate about that and wanting more acceptance and love and all that jazz but like I'm not part of an advocacy group I've never been to pride Or like anything like that Like I'm not Involved in that kind of way If that makes sense Because like I'm not somebody who goes to protests And I'm not somebody who Um Likes to go to You know Demonstrations and Sign surveys and petitions and stuff like that Like it just doesn't feel like I do anything with that I know it helps I know it does but like, I don't see that, and so it's hard for me to do that kind of stuff. Um, but I can minister to my friends. I can go over when they're feeling feeling down because people are mean, or I can or not not, and not even just for LGBTQ stuff, but like just stuff in general. Um, I can advocate for my husband with something that goes on in his life. I can, I can mourn with him and i can love him and i can encourage him to stand up for himself and i can like all these things right are individual advocacy and isn't that what christ does he's our individual advocate of course he advocates for the whole of the human race everybody who has ever lived everybody who ever will live but he also advocates on behalf of each of us um and I love so I loved us a couple of years ago, or this last year, that the or maybe every year and I just don't pay attention, the Light the World campaign. Um, their theme was one by one. That was how Christ served, that was how he um uplifted people was was one by one. Um one miracle at a time, one person's life changed at a time. And so I'm a huge ab- I'm a huge advocate for individual advocacy, <laughs> like, of course, joining together and being as a group and advocacy on a big level for things like poverty and things like whatever that I can't obviously I can advocate for it in my life, but I can't change poverty, I can't fix it, um, but also like the one on one, the one by one. Is also super super important. So, um, and the fourth one he says, Freedom of religion acts as a unifying and rallying force for shaping values and morality. I don't have much to say about that one other than like it's pretty true, <laughs> right? Like, that's literally what freedom ever, re- like, re- what religion is all about is about morals and about making the world a better place, making ourselves better to make the world a better place. Um, So, yeah. Um, so this his testimony, I really love his testimony. Of course, he testifies of Christ as his, his calling and his conviction. He um, says, This truth I proclaim to all the world. I am grateful for the freedom to do so. And I just want to echo that. Like I am also super grateful for the freedom that I have to express my beliefs. Obviously, in some places in the world, I wouldn't be able to have a podcast like this. Um, I wouldn't be able to be in your earbuds right now talking about religious freedom. It wouldn't happen. Um, and I'm grateful for the freedom I've had my entire life. Um, I don't know what that's like. And I'll never know what that's like to live in a place that um, I can't be a member of the church or I can't be Buddhist or Muslim or whatever, right? I don't know what that feels like, um, and I'm very privileged in that way, and I'm, and I'm super grateful that, you know, I've been a member my whole life, and I've had the option to be a member my whole life, and I've been, I've had the option to be whatever I want to be, I, I, I could, tomorrow, I could go and be Buddhist, like, (laughs) I'm grateful for that, um, I just want to, like, also just reiterate that, like, I feel like sometimes we do forget other religions, specifically religions outside of Christianity, when we talk about religious freedom. Um, Like, obviously, we have been persecuted. Christians have been persecuted. Catholics have been persecuted. All religious groups have been persecuted at one time or another, right? Um, and I feel like there are some religious groups who are still persecuted to the extent that, you know, they're afraid to worship the way that they want to worship and et cetera, et cetera. And so like religious freedom is as much for them as it is for us and it's as, as important for them as it is for us. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful for my savior. I'm grateful every day that I get to learn more about him in the ways that I want to and the ways that have worked for me. So, oh, I'll reiterate my questions really quick. Um, again, as I said, these are all in the royal we, <laughs> but um. Yes. Yeah, so, are we allowing ourselves, members of our family, congregations, and literally everybody in the world? <laughs> To live by the dictates of their own con- of their own conscience and worship Almighty God or whoever they worship, right? Um, in the way that they want to. Um, are we truly allowing that to happen in our own personal lives, in our wards, in our stakes, in our families, in our congregations, in the world? <laughs> um, you know, are they still welcome at our table even if they don't have, if they don't live completely the way that we live because it's going to look different for everybody um, where's my next one are we also treating others as if God loves them just as much as he loves us yeah just those two and i'll put those of course always put those in the um show notes and on captions on social media if you don't follow me yet you can um i also put those links and stuff um and my email address if you ever have any questions or comments or anything in the show notes as well if you ever want get to get a hold of me so yeah. i will talk to you all next time Thank you so much for listening to this episode of General Conference Conversations. Be sure to follow and share us on um, any social media. And if you like the show, feel free to leave us a review or tell your friends. Until next time.